When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. So, Twitch... Uh, Ooh, I got one. Which is, uh, it's a live streaming platform <laughs> that I roundly ignore, uh, has a hate problem. Uh, this week, the company filed a suit against two users, users for conducting quote, hate raids against black and LGBTQ streamers in August of this year. The defendants deployed bots to flood the streaming channels of marginalized creators with racist and homophobic content, including slurs and graphic depictions of violence. We should say too that the like uh, the live, it's like live streaming, but like, I think it's mostly for live streaming games. Yeah, I during think, the pandemic, right? it kind yeah. of well during the during the pandemic, it kind of morphed. It is mainly games. It is definitely mainly games, and it started as games, but it kind of has morphed into a lot Anything. of different things, reaction oh, okay. stuff. Just because people were stuck at home and they needed a better place, and Twitch is a great place to live stream. Because I've yeah. watched a couple of yeah, I mean, I've I've watched some videos of one hot guy. I mean, I live, are, Elliot, Elliot, those are different types of videos. <laughs> I, I, I live streamed my show, the show I did with Alaska. Oh, with yes, Sadie, that's right. The, that was on the, Twitch. The Madonna show. Yeah. yeah, that was over Twitch. And it, it's, I mean, it gets a lot of views yeah. and it's great. I do not get Twitch. I don't get it. I have a couple guys I have crushes on, so I'll watch them. And it's just, I mean, obviously I'm not What are they doing? Video games. Are they they're video playing, gaming? They're just you know, usually you can see their face. So you're like, all right, I guess that's my motivation. And then they're just like playing some dumbass game. I swear <laughs> to God, like games are always boring to watch now. So I, I had, so I have to, oh, I'm sorry. I, no, 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 I just go. don't understand. I, I know I, this makes me sound archaic, but I do not for the life of me understand the appeal of watching other people play video games. Am I crazy? I think it's the same as no. I mean, a little bit. I think maybe <laughs> I think I it's am. the same as like like reaction videos. I mean, maybe that's also something you're not into, but like reaction yeah, videos on YouTube are like you know pop up. Even even the best week ever was essentially early Twitch in that it's just somebody reacting to something or doing mm, something, yeah. and you're watching their either audible or visual reaction. So it's it's yeah. it's, it's the same on a lot of different Yeah, maybe levels. you're getting like tidbits of like how to how to play the game better or something. I don't fucking uh-huh. know. So anyway, so the hate raids described in the suit misuse the site's raid tool, which so the the raid tool it uh Twitch users um uh the, 
uh, when someone closes their channel, when their stream ends, they will allow that person to send all of the people watching their channel to another channel, perhaps uh, um, someone with, without as many followers or that kind of thing. That's called a raid. And uh, it's been used increasingly, however, to flood the streams of marginalized creators with trolls and bot accounts hurling abusive <laughs> insults. What a waste of, <laughs> what a I mean, waste it, of a it, function. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and it, it's also, I mean, I was going to say, so that's, that's basically the, the, the crux of the article. Twitch promised updates to safety features, including improved banned word detectors and ways to pinpoint channels that are evading bans. I, I do find it always fascinating when, whenever there's a problem with one of these social media companies that could perhaps, where the remedy <clears throat> impacts their bottom line, you will mm -hmm. always see they they just throw their hands in the air they're like we don't know what to do right we do, we, yeah. we have no idea right what to do it's like well you <laughs> created this totally you're novel a corporation you're a corporation you have a lot of people employed you're a tech you're company, a tech company. Put, out, put out some html code and call it a day you know uh, or like i mean uh, discontinue raids until you can get this shit under control but like well, that would affect the bottom but, but dollar because that's keeps, exactly it. It keeps because people. It keeps, it keeps people watching. They don't want people to leave when someone, yeah. you know, oh, the it's like eyeballs with is currency for them. So yeah, it's like with Instagram and like all the shit that comes with Instagram. I mean, they, they, these companies are a lot like these sort of <laughs> the big sort of corporate conservative companies that we rail against. In that they. If it affects the bottom dollar, they're not. They don't care right. what it does to marginalized people. It's just sort of, and and that's been the case for companies even before tech was a thing. Like it's just yeah. it, it, it the, if the small if the little guy's getting hurt, doesn't really matter because it's all about the big guy. Yeah. Also, no, it's naive. It's very naive of me, but I'm like bummed whenever we talk about something like this or we talk about like anti LGBTQ, anti minority stuff on TikTok or whatever because I'm like. I thought all the children were like I like I I, I just so naively yeah. thought but like it's not they, ran by children right it's ran by adults oh, right. it's ran by straight white men right right but I guess I just hoped that like I always hoped that like the younger generation is as you know compassionate as they seem to be even if it like borders yeah. on parody but yeah. yeah hopefully you're right hopefully this is just like shitty and adult also, men. <laughs> Hopefully it leads to, uh, you know, the generation now, really the generation below us, will then go on to, like, lead tech companies or create yeah. something amazing and then create it to be inclusive, create it to be inclusive of everybody and, and have that in mind when they're creating. <laughs> Jack Dorsey didn't have that in mind when he created Twitter right. or Mark Zuckerberg didn't have that in mind when he created Facebook. Like, it didn't – in fact, when he created Facebook, it was about – sort of like stealing people's photos and putting them on the internet for people to laugh at. Like that's literally what Facebook started as. What do you and mean? it's stealing people's as the dating thing, as like the rating the hot girls oh, at, hot uh, or not? at Harvard and shit. And it like commenting on people who are hot or not. Oh, wow. You know that yeah. th that thing. Mm. And that's how all of that started was by poking fun of other people who aren't him. I remember and, okay. and it's just it, it blows me away, like even now with like you know the demonization of on youtube of like if you use the word queer or if you use the you know whatever those sort of things are mm -hmm. these companies will not consider that it and and also they're based in san francisco which is also the most wild thing to That's me insane. the most inclusive city in the city I, in the country it's the fag capital of the world i'm pretty sure <laughs> it, right? it is the fag capital of the world i mean there are so many layers to it that it just goes to show you you can't speak in sort of the terms of like 
well, young people are all liberal or middle America, it's all middle America's problem or yeah. it's, you know, because it is a problem of the coast too. There's a liberal problem with this right now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's really, it's fascinating, but it's upsetting. Well, the good news is that the, the a bunch of these um, creators organized something called hashtag a day off Twitch, which for Brent oh, is every day. That's right. <laughs> Not even joking. We are here with actress, writer, producer, producer, uh, activist, uh, student <laughs> of many things, Shakina Nafak. Hi, Shakina. Hi. Hi, Shakina. Hi. How are you? Thanks for doing the podcast. I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. So much fun to be with you. Yeah, yeah you're such a um, special, you're such a, uh, you, you do so much and you've, you've done so much in your young life. It's it's even just like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've known you before this, but even in like doing a little bit of research, I'm like, God, she's done so much. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> I'm kind of relentless. I think it's because I was a high school dropout and I had a lot to mm. prove. So right. I just like, oh. I had to like keep going after that. Drew know? Barrymore has that too, actually. I was just watching a video of her talking about that, how she dropped out of school and she felt like because she wasn't getting education, she just started reading and learning everything she could because she yeah. wanted to compensate. Yeah, yeah I, I think Drew Barrymore and I are actually a lot alike. Yeah, you should be on the Drew Barrymore show. I think that I should be. Yeah, you you know the the crazy thing is I do a lot of reading and learning, but I I can't retain shit anymore. Really? All I do is read Wikipedia all day. That's right. Uh, Thank you, Can. No, that all I do is read Wikipedia all day, and I like if you quiz me at the end of the day, I'd be like, I have no idea what I read about. I I think it's because of the way Wikipedia is. That's not a. I think don't think that's a place you want to learn very much. Just get quick facts and tell your text. Excuse me. I'm just saying, maybe read a book. All right. Okay, back to Shakina. <laughs> back to Shakina, me, guys. By, by the way, Shakina has an MFA and a PhD. So I do. She obviously retains a lot. Yeah. Jesus. I was so excited when you were coming on the show, when I heard you were coming, because I loved you. I mean, I think how most people probably know of you is because of your amazing turn in the final season of Transparent. You oh. were incredible in that. You were such a, I mean, I'm not like one of those, like, you know, rocks, chakra, like, person but you were such like an energy you had such an energy in that last season and it that last season was so hit with so much drama yeah that you coming in with this sort of like force of just love it was just a beautiful performance and it was a great 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 part of the last season thank you i really thought you were going to say that most people know me from difficult people where i was just a bitchy trans truther so <laughs> that's also true that too but mm. um but yeah you know with that with transparent i just was like I knew that I was coming into that situation, and so I just felt like I had to bring that peaceful healing mm-hmm. from the moment I started working with everybody. Like it wasn't just you know in front of the camera. I was oh, like right. really doing what I could to just embody that in the space yeah. and transform the energy, you know, so that we could have a celebratory finale. Yeah. How do you do? I mean, like you. You seem like such, you are obviously such a spiritual person. You were um, raised Jewish and and went to Catholic school. Is that right? Yeah, that happened. Wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And now you're interfaith, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like like a Jewish Buddhist Christian. Oh my God! Oh, I so love the three out of the four so far. Yeah, yeah. Not, you were both you were both baptized and you had a uh, you had a bar mitzvah. I did. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking wild. Wow. How much Incredible. how much does spirituality like I- impact your day to day life? And like, I wonder how much of it is like traditional religion. 
you know, it actually there's like a substantial component of it that's traditional religion, but it's not like conventional traditional religion. Like I'm huh. really I'm really interested in like the the um the practices that have been handed down from generation to generation and mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of power in those rituals so i enjoy participating in them like church or synagogue and actually this is so wild but on um erev yom kippur the the, the like night mm-hmm. before yom kippur my my chiropractor invited me to try to fill in on which was oh. like the first time I had done that as like a trans woman, you know, I, wow. I think one time I got like roped into the mitzvah van, of like course. somewhere, you know, yeah. when I was like young, but, um, but he just felt really strongly that like, it was something that he, that I deserved to do and, and I should have the right to do. And it was really special to like sit in my chiropractor's office and like read these prayers that I knew from my childhood, like wrapped in this leather, you know, prayer thing mm-hmm. and which is such a jewish thing too to do it in your chiropractor yeah, yeah, yeah. Like i know, doctor, you know? yeah like, it's like, like either your therapist or your chiropractor it's yeah, one of the two totally yeah <laughs> Can so you explain what it is for our listeners and for brent yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah so um in uh in um like one of the holiest prayers of the Jewish tradition, the Ve'ahavta, thou shalt love mm-hmm. it says that you should bind the words of god as a sign um like on your on your forehead and I guess it upon your heart. And mm-hmm. um, and so there's these like two boxes that contain prayers in them and they have leather straps and you, you literally wrap one around your forehead and you have this box with a prayer on it uh, on your forehead and you have another one uh, right on the side of your arm, like in sort of your armpit next to your heart. And you and you pray these prayers and you wrap this to fill in and I'm pretty sure it's reserved for men only. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, when my when my um, chiropractor first asked me like if if I had warned them before, I was like, are you transphobic, dude? Like, what's the problem here? Right. Yeah. And then and he was like, no, you have a Jewish soul. You should get to do it. And I was like, okay, that I could get down with. Okay. I think that's the verse. Okay. Gender progressive. Also, gender progressive. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but he does not know that I have been baptized and that I go to church regularly. So I'm sure. Oh, you know, keep that. Keep that to yourself. Exactly. You know, you right. don't need to share. Right. Everything you know, right. disclosure is a choice. <laughs> but that so. is that is something that like I mean something you said that like really hits me and has always hit me because I converted to Judaism. I was raised Mormon and converted to Judaism, and and like part of the thing that really drew me to Judaism was that it is this sort of idea of you can kind of make it your own, and that's what interfaith really means to me too. You yeah. can like I really embrace the idea of Shabbat in a way, and how Shabbat through community and through the history of Shabbat, you could, it really brings community together more so than just going to sort of you know services on Friday nights or to, on high holidays or whatever. It there's something special about Shabbat, so you can really morph it and make it your own. Is that to you what like being interfaith means? Really, sort of taking on what speaks to you. Yeah, I mean, I think because we live in this, in a world where there are really present spiritual fields that have been generated by these global practices for millennia, um, we have all these tools at our fingertips that we just have to learn how to work with and use. And I think that like my idea of like having a direct relationship to what I consider God to be uh, allows me to translate that relationship into any sort of ritual practice that keeps me engaged and helps me build community and feel connected. And and like Elliot was asking about, like, I think that my creative work is really, you know, like 
before the pandemic, I was really at a point where I was like, maybe I should just like drop out of this whole acting thing and just go to divinity school and become a priestess. Cause I, Whoa. you know, it's like the highs and the lows, you know, you get yeah. a job and you're yeah. like, I'm gonna, this is it. I'm gonna, I broke through. And then you're like, now I'm unemployed for another 18 months. Right. So, Shirley MacLaine did that by the way. Well, I, I wouldn't <laughs> really? be surprised. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think so. Yeah. You know, I have a lot in common with Shirley MacLaine. So that is a huge, huge, huge compliment. Shirley MacLaine is the ultimate. Of course. I mean, yeah. I actually, I, I wish I'm, uh, these guys and most of our listeners know that I'm a non-believer, although I support those of the Jewish sure. faith and everyone knows that. But um, sometimes I wish I was into religions because I think being a minister is performative, um, but also social work which are both up my alley. And I've right. always thought it would actually be a great job uh, if I just believed what what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, one of the Ivy Leagues, one of the Ivy Leagues, I don't remember which one, but just recently hired the new head of their like um, chaplain's program, you know, where they have like the rabbi and the minister and, mm -hmm. and, and they hired an atheist to run that program. Uh, probably and, University of Michigan, yeah. I uh, no. I think that's what you're thinking. <laughs> Well, no, it was modern. definitely like Yale or or Harvard or something with like a really strong divinity program. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and one of my best besties is atheist, and we always talk about like how, you know, science and faith can coexist in a really wonderful yeah. way. Yeah. And um and the whole performative aspect of ministry. I mean, that's what I feel like. I kind of had this realization that I was like, oh well, my what I do on stage or in front of the camera or with my writing, like that is my ministry. Like that is how I preach, mm -hmm. and it's not traditional conventional yeah. it's like more mostly focused on bringing people who felt um removed or isolated or or um you know excommunicated whatever that might mean from from their faith systems growing mm -hmm. up as queer people or whatever to f like have a kind of access point with something greater than them and that's what mm -hmm. i just think is so important like i was always like um, no offense, Brent, but I was like, I could never fuck an atheist. You know, like I <laughs> I couldn't like give this pussy up to someone who didn't believe in something greater than themselves. Mm, yeah. And, yeah. Um, that's just that needs to be on a shirt, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Don't give this pussy up if you can't believe it. That actually, <laughs> that's that, a good one. You know, I, I think the shirt would be, uh, I'd never fuck an atheist. I think that's a really yeah. good shirt, actually. Yeah, that's probably a stronger one. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about, I mean, the, the trans experience, I think, is something that I was talking with my boyfriend about this, about how it really is good sort bragging. of like the defining characteristic of good <laughs> it is the defining characteristic of sort of our time in terms of the civil rights movement that's happening right now i mean it is really shaping who we are right now and i one of the things you had said in a quote that like you didn't really identify with the club kids and a lot of the things like the the trans people you were seeing on like Maury Povich or Jerry Springer or those kind of places, which really was the commercialized image of transness that we saw in like the nineties. Right. So like, when did you feel seen really? <clears throat> well, gosh, you know, I was 18 years old and I, um, I was going to college at UC Santa Cruz and they had this event called the Queer Fashion Show, which was this like mm. iconic annual event that unfortunately no longer happens. And I did this performance piece where I was like in dominatrix drag, uh, whipping these guys dressed as football players, but with like fishnets under their jock straps. Oh my to, God. To the exactly Brent. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to the corn song faggot, which was like an anthem of my youth. <laughs> and. Um, and and that's the first time I felt seen. That's what I was like. Wow. This is this is actually who I am, and like, you know, and um, and and people like really received it, and I was like, okay, great. Like the all these things working together, sort of put out into the world who I am. And 
uh, yeah, and I, it's not that I didn't identify with the club kids so much as that like, well, I was young and I was like, how do I get to, I'll never be them. Like, I, don't, I didn't mm-hmm. understand the road from where I was to who they were. And, um, and then I didn't have like any sort of, you know, convention, there was no conventional transsexual at the time. No. It was not like a, you know, just an easy bake oven version of like what it is <laughs> to be trans. And there still really isn't, I mean, because the models that we have available to us mostly are still ridiculously inaccessible to most yeah. people. It's yeah. true. You know, I, I hadn't thought about this until just recently, but you know, obviously depictions of LGBT people were problematic at times in the 90s. But I think much like you talked about, and I know you've, uh, Alan, you talked about, and Shakina, you've talked about in interviews where, you know, the depiction of trans people in particular on like uh, talk shows was just like appalling. And of course, you know, in hindsight, you know, you look back 25, 30 years and you're like, it's like, what was that like? to see depictions that were so, I mean, what, universally trashy, like yeah. so egregiously sexualized. I mean, freaky, just, it was like a freak, yeah, it was like freak, a freak freaky, that, Right, right. But the you club know, kids also embraced that that's in right. a way, which yeah. felt like they were taking the power back a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, around the same time, I like I know that Kate Bornstein was on some of those talk shows. And Kate Bornstein's mm-hmm. like an icon, legend, role model of mine. <clears throat> Great also writer. Also an incredible writer, an incredible yeah. actor who I've worked with in my play. And, um, and you know, and, and she was there taking all those questions in the hot seat from the people who really wanted to treat her like some sort of, you know, freakish object. And she was just, you know, very chill and very grounded in the way that she fielded those questions. And I can look back on that moment in time and even with today's like, you know, turf wars and everything with with as much compassion as I can muster on a good day to understand that if you're not inside this experience, it's gotta be weird, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. um, like I, you know, most people I would venture to assume feel like really cozy with their genitals and their, and, and, and whatever, and and that like makes a lot of sense in connection with their brain and who they are in the world. And so, you know, especially when you get into people who are like who who need a medical transition in order to come into their full self, there's a lot of uh, a a lot of um, and that strikes terror in the hearts of men. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it doesn't make sense to y'all that we would go through all this shit. You know, and and I don't expect you to get it. But that's yeah. also why I create a lot of work that's trying to demystify that because. I don't believe in making it a hush hush like we don't talk about that respectability politics mm-hmm. thing because because then all those like questions continue to ruminate without answers and people turn to like fetishism you know or make right. assumptions and yeah. so you know, everyone has a job in the revolution and mine is occasionally to talk about my vagina. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that that's a really interest, like a really brilliant and I think generous thing to yeah. say. And that's, I think it's a sentiment that I've sort of articulated yes. maybe off the air with uh, amongst the three of us, Yeah, but never, uh, I don't think it's ever been articulated on this podcast before, which is that, oh. you know, <laughs> which is that, you know, uh, it, it, for some people that it, that might be, something that takes a minute to understand. And, and I, I think obviously people's paths uh, should get to the place of understanding. But but yeah, I, I think you, you make a lot of sense when you say that, yeah. Well, you know, part of what, um, just going back to the topic of like trans issues being the forefront of civil rights, like first of all, 
you know, we are building off of these movements that were started by women's suffrage mm -hmm. and the disability movement and civil rights and, and the gay rights movement. So we have a lot of experience to draw from. And we also have members of our community in all those other communities who are teaching us and guiding us along the way. So, um, you know, we, we're, at the, we're at the forefront because we've learned a lot and we're just like the next step. Um, but now I can't remember the other thing I was going to say, but it had something to do with this. Oh, yeah. Be but what? I, so one of the things that's like really present in today's like um, discourse around inclusivity is neurodivergence and learning how to um, respect uh, and work with folks whose brains work differently than mm -hmm. your brain might work. And yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think about like I like to think about transness in the context of biodiversity, which is sort of like an essential need for the survival of our species and the planet. And yeah. and neurodivergence is also part of that. And 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 specifically, you know, we're talking about people who might be like on the autism spectrum or or have mm -hmm, you know right. depression or anxiety, but um, and other invisible disabilities. But also, when I'm trying to like change hearts and minds around the issue of transness. I have to take a beat to like see if I can just imagine how other people's brains are working. Right. And, and that doesn't mean yeah. you're and then you're not apologizing for anything. All you're no. doing is trying to consider how they might feel not because they're they're in the right, but because you're like how can I actually connect with them in a way that even if it doesn't mean you actually change their minds, you can at least hopefully get them to understand you a little bit more. And yeah. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I just like, that's how I think it's is an interesting way to actually approach this kind of stuff because it doesn't, it takes people off the defensive, I think a little bit and might actually make more impact. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I used to be, and I still consider myself to be very radical. Like sometimes I'll be, I'll have a crisis moment when I'm afraid I've lost my edge. And then I remember that I like sing about getting gangbanged by Thai strippers. Like, so <laughs> sure. like, all right, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm cool, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I can hang, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, but, um, you know, and I think there is like, obviously, like I, I'm all here for the folks in my community who don't have time for that shit. Mm -hmm. But what I'm realizing is like, maybe I have time for that shit. Like, I, I think that I've, gotten pretty good at having some of those conversations. There are times when it's like, no, I'm not going to deal with J.K. Rowling. Right, I'm of course. I'm not going to, yeah. you know? No yeah. thanks, yeah. But, um, yeah, I just think, you know, like I said, there's a there's a job for everyone in the revolution. So mm -hmm. we need we need the people who are not going to take shit, and especially, like, on social media, and when it's like the, the, um, the easy and satisfying thing to do is to have a hot take that shuts someone down. Yeah. And, yes. and oh you know, guilty of yeah. that. I yeah, mean, that's like, totally. That's, it's like, it's, it's, it's second nature, which is so kind of gross, but it is. It's just where we go to, especially if we're, we're artists. But what if your first nature? was to be compassionate and patient, mm -hmm. you know? And, I, and that's where like my spiritual practice comes in. Yeah, there. this is such a dumb microcosm version of this, but um, I think a couple years ago when like the, the issue with like the trans bathroom stuff was happening, I was like, I, I, there was an, an article about some high school kids who were not, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but there were high school kids who were not drinking or eating during the day to avoid going to the bathroom. Right. And it like, that yeah. for whatever reason in particular, it like destroyed me. Like that just mm -hmm. killed, the thought of that just killed me. Yeah. And I posted it about it on Instagram and this buffoon from high school, <laughs> like I'm from Long Island. It's like, it's like buffoon nation. Like truly it's like <laughs> the land of the idiots. But this guy from high school was like, 
he wrote like if he if he stands to pee he like he goes to the boys' room. If he sits, he goes to the girls' room. Which is that easy? Like something so stupid. By the way, and I that, almost always sit when I pee. Just <laughs> I'm just saying that. Even in public, I won't always. No, in public, I won't. Not always in public, but at home, no. I, I I like I like to sit. I like a rest. Take a break. Take a yeah. break. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. I oh no. So I just just to, just to say again, this is like I, I'm not trans. It's not my place to like tell anybody anything other than to like stand up for trans people. But I was like. Do, I, I mean, in the comments, and I don't usually engage, and this was the f first time that I really engaged where I was like, I tried to talk to him in a way, I mean, I haven't talked to this guy in 20 years, you know, he's just an uh -huh. idiot, but yeah. I, tried to, I tried to talk to him about it in like the, in some sort of way that felt like it was connected to him where I was like, res re like responding to how he speaks. Because you know where he's from. I know where he's from. And so yeah. he, we started talking and he was like, I was like, I'm not trans, but like as a gay guy in high school, I remember feeling, you know, this way and this way and this way. And he was, and he, I swear to you, like he thought, but you were pop, he said like, but you were popular. And I was like, well, thank you. But also that doesn't mean that I wasn't wow. suffering secretly. And like, we yeah. started talking and it, again, I don't think it fully changed his mind, but it got to this place where it actually disarmed him because I made it so that he could understand it instead of trying to slam dunk on him. Mm -hmm. right. Which again, yeah. part yeah. of me wants to. I want to be. I want to shut it down. Oh, the impulse but, is very strong. But yeah. yeah, but I don't think that's always. I think that's harder to ha make happen when social media only makes us more. Um, uh, like bloodthirsty to like yeah. shut Dress other tribal, people down. Tribal, it's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, uh, it's so it's it's so one of the things I think about you that that also strikes me. I mean, you are you you are a radical activist in a yeah, lot of wonderful so. ways. And Thanks. one of the things that I think is so impactful is that early on in in I guess your trans journey is that you you decided to by choice go bald. And that is I think I mean, I I have a lot of trans friends who talk about that sort of biological response of, you know, whatever gender you're assigned at birth and the things that happen to you through puberty yeah. and through getting older or whatever the case may be, and really struggling with that. And we all, I mean, we all struggle, everyone struggles with the changes our bodies go through, but then to mm -hmm. add on uh, living the trans experience and dealing with those two different worlds, it's just, it must be mind blowing. What made you sort of decide to go about being bald and, and your hair journey. <laughs> my, my hair journey is still ongoing and I, yeah. and I love it. I love that I can be public with it because it's such a big part <clears throat> of my identity and things that I'm still trying to figure out. But I think, you know, there are a couple things that made me want to go bald. One is that ever since I was very young, I always felt that if I had the strength to deal with my personal issues in a public forum, I could help other people who were dealing with the same thing and afraid to speak about them. So. I just, I've always tried to challenge my body image issues in the hopes that it would empower other people to challenge theirs. And that's just been like a core value for me. <clears throat> Excuse me. The other thing about the, the baldness was that ultimately, you know, when I, when I first, I, I first came out in like 2001 as trans and like non-binary was not a term that we used then, but gender non-conforming was a term that we use and, and some people still do, I like that term. Um, but, uh, you know, I knew that there were certain changes I had to make with my body in order to feel good in who I was and how I moved through the world. But more so, I 
I have this conviction that like society needs to change the way it works with gender and yes. the way it oppresses people through unrealistic standards of beauty. And and so I thought like, let me just be a little punk rock and assert this, you know, like demand she, her pronouns with my bald head, you know? And, mm -hmm. and also there are like plenty of other gorgeous, beautiful, bald women. Um, who are mm -hmm. cis, you know, and, and have different journeys with whether they shave their head or have alopecia or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it just felt like, you know, um, it felt like like I, I shaved my head. I started shaving my head when I was very young as a sort of um, reminder that physical form was fleeting. Yeah. And, and, and it kept me humble and it was connected to some like ritual dance work that I was studying in school. Mm -hmm. um, of course. I want, know, I want to know what that is. Which too. is so Santa Cruz. Yeah. So, so Santa, Santa Cruz. Cruz. Santa Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> I, I trained for like a decade with uh, Diego Pinon, who's the founder of Body Ritual Movement, which is like a fusion of um, Japanese Buto dance and uh, indigenous Mexican ritual and avant garde bioenergetics and uh, just is a very like experimental. Uh, ritual-based physical movement form that's like really how I managed to kind of heal myself and mm -hmm. become the person that I am today through this dance and and one of the like my 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 teacher shaves his head his teacher actually didn't well yeah one of them did and it's sort of like part of the legacy of this tradition and so after my very first weekend workshop with with um, Diego I I shaved my head and then I kept my head shaved for that's amazing. Yeah, that's I think I, this is I also think... therapeutic for me to hear right now because I've been uh, uh, convinced I'm going bald the last week. You're not going bald. <laughs> You're not going bald, Brent. You're not going bald. You might be finding, going bald. Find, I, thank you. <laughs> And finding more I will say, than usual on the pillowcase. Go ahead. I, I just wanted to like the, the sort of being unapologetic in the thing you said. One of the things I think always, and I, I agree, I think it's good to lead with empathy, and that you know we should be understanding of people's the mainstream public's understanding of sort of coming to terms with gender and everything that's happening. But at the same time, a lot like with racism, with sexism, with so many Google things, it. <laughs> it's not. It's not the person's right. job. Exactly. It's not a trans person's job that to too. make you non-transphobic. Right. It is right. our job as people who are allies of trans of the trans community or queer community or our black brothers and sisters or whatever it is, it is our job to then say, No, you're being wrong. And what Elliot did with his friend, I think, is so important, is like, this is why you're approaching this wrong in my opinion and i'm gonna tell I always you that say in my opinion too always. yeah it's and it's not the trans person's job to or the black person's job or whatever to tell the person that they're being wrong it's mm -hmm. just not so i right be unapologetic is what i say yeah well i mean you know i feel like in some ways i've been like a professional transgender person right. like that's right. like <laughs> been right. like part of what i've done for literally decades y'all right. like so, for a yeah. long time and so um you know, I, I guess like there are times obviously when I'm like really exhausted by, you know, the task of educating people, but yeah. on the best days when I feel like my creative work is doing it in a way that's fun and irreverent and sincere and like spiritually eye-opening, then I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, let yeah. me bring people along, you know, because I, I wanna Absolutely. like leave the world a better place than I found it. Yeah, but there's sure. definitely times when I just have to retreat and let other people pick up the battle. Yeah. And that's fine yeah. too. Yeah. And you're definitely, you're definitely accomplishing that. Now with that said, I did just look up the Wikipedia article for neurodivergence. <laughs> uh, it was lengthy. 
I read the whole thing and I already my forgot sister, it, but it was brilliant. It was my sister brilliant. is obsessed with neurodivergence. Really? Like, <laughs> the word comes up constantly. She and her and my brother-in-law like read. There's there's a book called Neurodivergence. There's a whole like school of thought and now like a movement, yeah. you know. Yes, and, it's wow. and it makes so sense. Important. I actually, it, yeah. it actually like I get it. I get it because it describes people who are who act. It's so hard to like even describe like what it applies to, but it's just like divergent of anything yeah. that's like. I don't even. I wouldn't even know what yeah. the right right word is. Right, like a normative, uh, a normative brain function. Yeah, which is like you know chemical and thought based, and 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 it's you know I mean neurodivergence. It's like ADHD. It's like fidget yeah. spinners. You know, right. it, 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 there's yeah. like things we have like um, neurodivergent accessibility tools all around us all the time. We just don't understand them as that or call them that. But when we start being a little more mindful mm -hmm. about how to like you know the, just the idea of being reading and not retaining anything or being like an auditory learner or all, all these it's yeah. like our our brains all work a little differently yeah and yeah yeah so it's important to understand that people aren't going to come at things the same way that you come at things yeah definitely so true um before we go uh brent did you want to mention i mean i just i just I know that you faced a Westboro Baptist Church protest. Oh, <laughs> best. And yeah, I know, and Brent is obsessed with, or was obsessed with Fred Phelps. I, I used to love Fred Phelps, and I was it was the pride of my life that I was on their website at one point. I got um, protested too at a yeah, speech. Yeah, yeah. Were you also a protest at Shakina? Um, I've never been like personally protested, but yeah. I've like encountered the Westboro Baptist uh, protesters. Like I yeah. was at the. Um, the There's a Supreme, Supreme Court, Court, yeah, the uh, Supreme Court protest, yeah, yeah, the Title yeah, like, Seven hearing. Yes, exactly, and oh, and sure. um, and then there was a bunch of like uh, Westboro Baptist people there with like the God hates fag signs, and I just mm. walked by and I was like, you know, Jesus died for all of our sins, and he was like, uh uh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, right. oh, oh my god, uh uh, sir, is your yeah. comeback like, yeah, uh -uh. Did you, yeah, did you not read uh -uh. the literature, you know? Oh my god, <laughs> didn't read that so pamphlet. Funny. Well, we couldn't have enough time with you, but what a what a blast! And um, you're just such a dynamic person who's just you know truly like you're just so inspirational. You have so many layers to you. Yeah. yeah, you're really inspirational. Guys, you're, so you're so brave. You're so brave. You're so god. Brave. Where um where would you yeah, like people to people follow you, you, our listeners? Where would you like them to follow you? On? Um, I'm Shakeen's S H A K E E N Z on all platforms. Awesome. Fantastic. So, yeah, Amazing. Twitter, Instagram, Thanks. Facebook, YouTube, and kind of a TikTok. Whatever. And maybe Twitch. Uh, right. Yeah, never. Twitch but that's too? okay. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks, guys. It's been Thank fun you chatting so much. with you. Sure. And another thing. I'm so excited to talk about Tammy Faye because of the new movie, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Now, which you uh, saw, yes, which I saw. Oh, Tammy, just to give some background on who Tammy Faye Baker was. Well, Tammy Faye Mesner at the end of her life. Tammy Faye Baker and and. Um, why am I forgetting her husband's name? Jim now? Baker. I never cared about him. Jim Baker. Jim Baker. I never cared about Jim. It was yeah, always Tammy right. Faye. Uh, but Jim and Tammy Faye started this sort of Christian television network, the PTL or PTO or whatever, PTL. And and it was Christian television, basically, and they created theme parks, and then they had a massive falling out because he abused funds, and he would steal people's money, and then buy lavish houses and all these crazy things. Yeah. He was sleeping so with was, people who worked there. He was sleeping with guys. He was yeah. Doing, was it he was sleeping with guys. Yes. Yeah. There oh, was wow. yeah in this in the suit. There was one where he yeah he slept. He was accused of sleeping with one man. Um. Anyway, 
the new movie sort of talks is it follows Tammy Faye's life and how she really was uh, not a liberal icon, but a but a sort of just an icon of queer people in a lot of ways. And the film is produced by and is based on a documentary by the people who created World of Wonder, who created Drag Race. Mm-hmm. So it's very much a so queer good. film. The documentary is yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, but uh, Tammy Faye was so radical in so many ways in the '80s. At the height of the AIDS epidemic, she had a man on who was who had AIDS to talk about his experience, and she very openly said, "It's not Christian to not put your arms around someone mm-hmm. who is suffering. That is the Christian way." And she was very radical in that way. And it's kind of mind blowing how advanced she was for her time. You know, I just I just saw a program. My husband and I, Jim, sat the other night and watched a program. Uh, and it was so touching about a young man who had AIDS and went home to tell his mom and dad about it and, and the hurt and, the, and everything that happened in the family, which I'm sure, you know, you were very well aware of. Yeah. And, and when asked what was the saddest thing in his life about the fact that he had AIDS, you know, his own parents were afraid to touch him. His own sister was afraid to touch him. And he said, to think that I might never again have a hug, you know, and how sad that we as Christians, who are to be the salt of the earth, and we, are th- we who are supposed to be able to love everyone, are afraid so badly of an AIDS patient that we will not go up and put our arm around them and tell them that we care. Yes, I know, it is tragic, and that's the tragedy well, Steve, of the situation. I just AIDS. want to tell you something. What's that, Tammy? If there would have been any way, you know, I know you were sick, and that's the only reason we didn't have you come and sit in the studio next to us today, because you have your chemotherapy treatments, and you needed to get home quickly so you wouldn't miss them. But I want to tell you, there's a lot of Christians here who love you and who wouldn't be afraid to put their arm around you and tell you that we love you and that we care. Thank you, Tammy. God bless you for saying that. I think that's a very, very important thing. And I don't know if you guys had any, like in your childhood, did you know who Tammy Faye Baker was? Did she have any influence on you? I, I don't, I don't. Uh, by the way, the, the reason we're bringing this up is because obviously you probably have seen trailers for it. There's a mo- new movie out um, that is all about Tammy Faye Baker's life. And yeah. they talk about like these two, Alan, you just described the one, these two kind of preeminent moments in which she, you know, despite having a very conservative following in the 80s, you know, uh, stood up for gay people, which I think is really important. Um, you know, I, I feel like she's one of these people where I knew her face. I remember when that documentary came out uh, and I was like, yeah, I know that person's face, but I didn't, I obviously didn't, I wasn't particularly familiar with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, of course, didn't watch their network. <laughs> I think she was, I mean, I was familiar with her in, I think, uh, I think they, like, they like would poke they would like obviously impersonate her on snl which i remember but yeah. i didn't really connect who she who she was i just knew that she was this like I, I, she was christian and then i remember her on snl or even like larry king and i just i never really stopped and thought about it until i saw the documentary and was like holy shit this woman yeah. well she had this like like when jim baker was sent to prison or was sentenced or whatever um just to show you how much of a drag queen she really was and i i interviewed jessica chastain about the movie and I talked to her about sort of the drag element of who Tammy Faye was and just like when she's leaving the courthouse and her husband was just sent to prison she starts singing on the courthouse steps that's her news conference is her singing oh my god and it's just 
she was so extra and like three-dimensional she just was wild on so many levels that like she lived in this world in her own little world and the film does a really good job of sort of showing that like the world that Tammy Faye saw was very different than the world she was living in mm-hmm. and and there's a there's a scene in the film where she's singing and it's like flags and fireworks and the crowd's going crazy and people are doing crazy things and in reality it shows the audience and they're just sitting there quietly mm. just uh-huh. watching and it just shows this disconnect that she had but that disconnect was part of what made her i think so special and resonate with so many people who weren't allowed in the audiences she mm-hmm. had because those audiences were mainly white christian straight people mm-hmm. who would sit there and sort of you know watch this conservative woman sing these songs sing these christian songs but it was queer people at home who were being like this is a drag queen well, this is, is a so, woman is she important. a gay icon she is. Uh, she like a deep fully cut, is a gay, a gay icon. Deep cut gay I don't know. If she, I don't icon, think yeah. she's that deep cut though. She's not deep cut. She's fully a gay icon. I think in a lot was of ways. Was she ever impersonated that. on Snatch Game on, on Drag Race? Yes. Yeah. Ginger Minj did her on, oh. on 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 Drag Race. But she and Sharon Needles had that tattoo of her, oh, on, her right. on his arm during the show. Yeah. But she did become a gay icon, particularly after the divorce. After she divorced Jim Baker, because she had that talk show with Jim J. Bullock, oh where she God. openly talked right. about. Oh where she openly God. talked about how oh, it was queer people. It was queer people who helped her sort of recover in a lot of ways post right. Jim Jim Baker and post all of that. And she started to realize that it was gay. It was these gay men who who sort of f- fully embraced her and took her on the drag queens and took her on and sort of gave her almost a purpose at the end of her life in a lot right, of ways. Right. It really it really was kind of beautiful. It's wild. I mean, the, the, I, I didn't I I haven't thought too much of, about her, but obviously I thought that was an interesting, you know, with the movie out now, it's interesting to think about how she was I guess, I mean, it's interesting that she was a gay icon even before her like bouncing back in the sense that she was preaching such, you know, Christian evangelical stuff that that ended up being so hypocritical or maybe maybe not what she was preaching but the practice of them just being so excessive and and mm-hmm. the, you know the amount of money i mean it was the, the money they spent and 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 it was just oh a yeah shit she show. fully benefited off of like crime yeah so it's yes, so interesting fully. that like that she was embraced in like she, it felt i don't feel like she I, it feels like she was clearly warm toward the queer community uh but yeah. but it, it was she, she didn't necessarily like it's 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 layered in the fact that she was she was, a, complicit, she was complicit in a lot of she was complicit she yeah, was a lot complicit of, she was complicit in not only a lot of the wrongdoing even though she was never legally charged with anything she was complicit mm-hmm. in a lot of the wrong of sort of turning a blind eye right. to a lot of the excess I mean the fact that she was living sort of a millionaire's right. life off of church money that's eh, a little weird but mm-hmm. that Wait, that did... the that Jim Baker was so Jim Baker was the hypocrite and he continues yeah. to be to this day. I mean, he's now selling, he's still alive. He's still he a preacher sells, like, and he's selling water, some, right? yeah, he's he selling sells, some water sells, that cures um, COVID and AIDS prepper, and everything yeah. else. Doomsday prepper food and holy water. Oh, wow. He's on right. TV doing the same thing he did the first time around just yeah. with some religion. I mean, it's still religious. No, I, I don't I, understand I, how people send him money. I su- I support yeah. it. I think people who are that dumb should not have money. Should not have money. <laughs> should not have money. But yeah, he, so should. he should. He should. Why should he? Well, I'd I'd rather have it be in the hands of one dumbass than fifty thousand. So. <laughs> <laughs> What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard today? I think you're right. You're balding. 
She's right. You're she's wrong. You're you're wrong. She's really wrong. wrong. You're you not balding. <laughs> my aunt Joanne would say, um, my personal anthem is also faggot by corn. <laughs> um, which I have to look up because I can't believe that it, that's real. I know um, that was a curveball. <laughs> how about Aunt Anne? I tried taking Tammy Faye's influence on makeup, and Ray didn't touch me for two weeks, so I threw that away real mm-hmm. quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tammy Faye, Tammy Faye's makeup is not someone you want to not someone you want to emulate no. per se. No. no. Wow. No. Well, thanks for listening. Um, I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm H. Allen Scott, and I am Brent Balding Sullivan. <laughs> Oh, you (laughs) son of a bitch.